Welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hey, Diane. Hello, Jen. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Busy as always, but getting through it. <laughs> yeah, crazy busy. I feel like like I can never quite catch up, but no, it's okay. Never. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's just part of what we signed up for, right? Right. It is. I know. And and I feel like <laughs> I timed it well when I had my baby because I had her in the summer when things were mm -hmm. slow for me. So yeah. now she can sort of entertain herself a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> Not not for more than like five minutes at a time, but still, you know, I can sort of get some things done here and there, which is nice. Yeah. Just like, please play with this. I mean, you have, I got you Freddy the Firefly, right? So like, she loves, loves Freddy. Freddy. I know. Liam loves Freddy. Just like super hard. <laughs> she loves Freddy. And then um, I don't, you gave me Freddy. I don't know. Did you give me the little unicorn too? Or did somebody no, else give me that? No, that's somebody else. Okay. Somebody else gave her this little unicorn. She mm -hmm. loved her two favorite toys are Freddy and this little pink unicorn oh. that also like kind of makes noise. Yes. She loves it. <laughs> it's great. So funny. <laughs> my mom moment of the week is that my baby Rini got to meet her great grandmother for the first time. <gasps> That's so exciting. Yes, it was very mm -hmm. cute. Um my grandma Marie is 98 years old, mm -hmm. which is just incredible. Um, she's the most amazing woman ever. Uh, but um, she's kind of been um, she hasn't been feeling great. And, you know, she's she's getting very old and, and her dementia is starting to take over. So we had kind of been holding off on bringing the baby to meet her because I wanted the baby to have some of her shots, you know, and I wanted her immune system to build up before I brought her into the um, assisted living. Mm hmm center. So we finally felt like it was time and my grandma was having, you know, a good day. So we brought her to visit and sh she just adored her. She was blowing her kisses and just, it was the sweetest thing I'd ever seen. And Rini was smiling and laughing and, you know, just in rare form. And we got a couple pictures of the two of them together and, you know, it just, it, it really warmed my heart. It was nice to see, uh, those two generations meeting. Yeah, that's so special. I, I'm i very lucky that my kids have three great grandparents alive right now and who are all in good mental health, you know, and, and good physical health too. And it's such a blessing to have that, to be able to let them spend time with those people. So yeah, it was really special. Oh. Yeah. So Mine ties in really nicely with what we're going to talk about today. Um, oh, excellent. I'm super excited. All right. So this past week, I brought my kids to the park and I went to the car to get their bikes so that they could ride their bikes. And on my way back from getting the bikes on the ground, I saw a little baby turtle and I was like, oh, look, it's so tiny and cute. I want to show it to the kids. And I go to pick it up and it's dead. Oh, no. It is. I don't know. It got caught out in the sun and like a worm dries up. It was like dried up from being out Aww. in the sun. And it was sad. But at the same time, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool because they'll be able to like really see it and look at it and see like its belly and and how its legs come in, like go into its shell and like all that. So I was like, oh, this is kind of like a fun learning nature moment. I'll bring it over and show it to them. So I bring the turtle over. 
I'm like, guys, I have something to show you. It's it's super cool, but it's also a little bit sad. But I wanted to show it to you anyway. So I like show them this turtle and, and they're a little bit sad that it's dead, but also very fascinated with it. And Emma, after a few minutes of, of like observing this turtle is like, well, now it's my best friend and I'm going to take it everywhere with me. So she like puts it. <laughs> puts it like in her pocket and brings it onto the playground and now is like putting it down the slide and oh like God. putting it in a swing and I was just <laughs> like wow this turtle really went on to have a life after death didn't it so it's like oh my god it's now like her best friend at the park and eventually I was able to convince her to like put it down and walk away <laughs> but well you know it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because my friend Chrissy has uh it's escaping me exactly what kind of animal it is, mm-hmm. but she has this like taxidermied, <gasps> like, it's not a turtle, I don't think, but she has some kind of like taxidermied animal that yeah. she has. And and I don't know if she just, I think she might just put it out for Halloween. I don't remember, but it was like some type of animal that she kind of, I think in that kind of situation, just like fell in love with it. Oh and I gosh. think her dad like had it taxidermied <gasps> so she could have it forever. So I was like, going to say, maybe you can do that. <laughs> That's a riot. I'll have to go back to the park and see if I can find it. We put it down next to the pond so it could be with its family. Oh my God. <laughs> we do that a lot in our house. We like find an animal that is dead inside, like, um, like a fly or a stink bug or whatever. Yeah. And, and Joey or Emma will pick it up and go, it needs to be with its family and bring it outside and like put it in the dirt. <laughs> So funny. What we're going to talk about today is toys, specific toys, because I realized when I looked up the history of children's toys that that is too broad. Yeah. Way too broad. I don't know what we were thinking. Like, oh, we'll do an episode on toys. No, we'll do an episode on one toy. Perfect. <laughs> because every toy has an amazing history and we could have a whole show just dedicated to like different children's toys. Right. So my daughter, you know, found this turtle. It was dead. It became a toy. <laughs> so that is how we are segueing into. Our... Perfect. <laughs> so I hope that your toys that you're doing aren't just dead animals. <laughs> uh, but well, oh, listen, we'll see what happens. We'll see where we go wait. here. Okay, so. <laughs> What I decided to do is I looked up the history of children's toys and what kept coming up over and over and over again were the same sort of like two or three, two or three things that children have played with for centuries and centuries. So the first one was stick and ball. I was like, yes, stick and ball. Yes. That makes sense. The second one was dice. Oh. Right. And then the third one was knuckle bones. And I was like, Knuckle Bones? That's an interesting name of a game. I wonder why it's called that, you know, because it's like, that's just the name of the game. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so I was like, okay, this is my, this is my path into the history of toys. I will follow the Knuckle Bones line and see where it takes me. <laughs> so basically, what Knuckle Bones is, is Jack's. In, in our modern vernacular, it's you take a bunch of things and you put them on the ground and then you toss a ball or some other object up in the air and you pick up some other things and you catch the the thing that you threw up in the air. And so knuckle bones is the same concept, only historically in ancient Greece. Oh, can I guess? Do you use actual bones? You use actual knuckle bones from sheep, Diane. Oh, yes. You would you would butcher your your animal, your, you know, your sheep, your pig, your what have you. And the the knuckle bone that connected their hoof 
to their leg was what you would use. And it's because the way that they were shaped was round on two sides and flat on the other sides. So when you threw it, it would either fall, it would fall in one of like six different ways. And depending on what you threw, just like playing rummy or something, you know, you want to get a certain combination of cards. In this, you wanted to get a certain combination of things to fall. And you wanted to get a certain combination of things that you'd pick up in between your throwing of the main knuckle that you were holding in your hand. And the whole thing was just like, this is wild. Like, what? Yeah. But that and and people still do to this day, children still do to this day in certain cultures, play knuckle bones with knuckle bones. Like, this is not something that doesn't exist anymore. This is this still exists in some cultures. And it's all about playing a game and gambling. It was often associated with like, I want to win this thing. And so I'll challenge you to a game of knuckle bones. And then, you know, I'll, I'll get the thing if I win. Next time I come to Massachusetts, I'm going to challenge you <laughs> to, to a game, a of, game knuckle of, bones. of knuckle bones. <laughs> I will procure the knuckle bones. You can, so you can buy really beautiful, like made out of metal things that look like knuckle bones. So you're not actually playing with animal bones, but, uh, but Christmas can, gift. Perfect. Yeah, right. And no, you can like, mm, okay, now I know what I'm getting for my kids. Right. All right, so so I followed this whole knuckle bones thing, and um, and I followed how it how it sort of changed over time, eventually morphed into jacks. But then I was thinking, well, well, knuckle bones and dice are really related, you know, like they're they're both used for gambling, they're both children's games, they're they're used for for counting and and all these things, and really a very early form of edutainment if you will, uh, I where I love you know, that word, <laughs> right? So so it's sort of like, you're doing this thing that's teaching you counting or teaching you to memorize things. So I'm looking into that. And I'm sort of following that line. And then I run into what dice eventually become. Um, they still are dice, like we still treat them as dice. And that's still like, you know, as a gamer, I love a good die. But what they became in terms of children's toys are, do you want to take a guess? What dice became as children's toys? Yeah. What, what the, the idea of like a six-sided object, what did that eventually become in the world of children's toys? Uh, let me think for a second. <laughs> oh, okay. Something six-sided. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I really don't know. <laughs> Diane, alphabet blocks. <laughs> Oh, alphabet blocks. <laughs> so, duh. You, yeah. <laughs> so, alphabet blocks, they have been conceptually a thing since the 16-1700s, right? And the reason why I was so the reason why I was like, okay, these have to be included in this episode is because one of the first times we see them referenced, um, they weren't being made yet, but the first time that they were referenced was by my good buddy, John Locke. In oh, my God. I know, right? He keeps coming up. And this is why I, I was so excited about this. So in 1693, when he wrote some thoughts concerning education, which apparently is like the thing that was written that changed how we think about children and how we relate to them. In that writing, he wrote about alphabet blocks. And so the quote is, there may be dice and playthings with the letters on them to teach children the alphabet by playing, and 20 other ways may be found suitable to their particular tempers to make this kind of learning a sport to them. So 
We've oh, got cool. this idea of edutainment and and this thing that children already play with, but now, you know, let's put let's put letters and numbers and pictures and things on them so that they can learn while they're playing. So Locke wrote about this. However, at the same time, so that was 1693, about 100 years earlier, mm. Sir Hugh Platt in 1594, in a piece, a book he wrote called The Jewel House of Art and Nature, he also wrote about a a toy block set for children with letters on them. But at this point, as far as we know, nobody had actually made these things. Nobody was like creating blocks and putting letters and numbers on them for kids to play with. This was just sort of a concept that these philosophers and, and educators had come up with that, you know, wasn't being put into practice yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so now we're going to, we're going to sort of start to see some real foundational bedrock parts of the history of children's education. You may not know him by name, but you know his work quite well. So I'm going to try to say his name properly. He's German. So 19th century German educator, Friedrich Wilhelm August Froebel. So do you happen to know who Friedrich Froebel is? No idea. All right. So he is a very famous educator. People who work in education will know him. In 1837, he opened an institute for children in his town in Blankenburg, is the name of the town, in Germany. And in 1840, he changed the name of this institution to a name that will be very, very familiar to you. Do you know what the name of the institution was? Oh, God. Um like children's think about children's education a german word <laughs> oh 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 kindergarten kindergarten exactly Yay! you got it so which which means children's garden which yeah. was where all of these children came to learn and it was all based on the concept of activity driven play and so frobel made what he called frobel's gifts which was a, a set like a, a little box and inside of the box were, I think, seven. How many? Let me see if I can see how many there were. I think there were seven gifts. And so each of the gifts was like a, a different open-ended wooden block-based way for children to explore and build and create. And so one of them, the sixth gift, were these blocks that eventually someone went, oh, we should put letters on those and, we'll, and, and children will be able to learn on top of just like building and, and manipulating these objects. They'll be able to learn at the same time. And so there are so many different people over time who patented different types of alphabet blocks. And so there were the people who sort of jumped off of Froebel's gifts and, and, you know, went that route. And then there's a woman in, where was she? Where were you, lady? <laughs> like trying to find it, but she's like a footnote in here because she's a woman and everybody else involved and is a man. Who cares? Um, I know, right? Oh, Adeline Dutton Train Whitney. Long name. Um, awesome name. Yes, Adeline <laughs> Dutton Train Whitney. She patented an early alphabet block system in 1882. So, wow. you know, it was the kind of idea that was so basic, I think, uh, that a lot of different people 
simultaneously created things that that were based on this. So yeah, so she um so she was one of the people who patented uh, a design on alphabet blocks. There were other people who did as well, and and now they're all over the place. I have had three or four sets of alphabet blocks for my kids. Wow. Um because people give them to us all the time and they have letters and numbers and pictures and and they're they're lovely ways to learn. So I don't have any of those. Oh, you'll get some. You'll get some. And if you're really lucky, you'll get periodic table of the elements blocks too. Oh no, that's cool. <laughs> that's serious edutainment. <laughs> <laughs> so I think when I um when I started to look for toys and, and sort of what within that, like what what is the history of making toys for children? What I realized, obviously, is that there is so much history there that really we, we need to have <laughs> pretty thorough episodes for just about everything. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Very good point. So, yeah. So I'm happy to I'm happy to cover some more um, kids toys and anyone who's listening. If there's a specific children's toy that you're super interested in learning about, you're welcome to come and suggest it to us. I realize now as I continue talking that I left out a really important point. So Frobel's gifts, right? We've got Frobel. He makes these wooden gifts they're lovely and everyone uses them. And um, and I think still to this day, Montessori schools use a lot of things that are like that. And I wonder if they if they specifically use that set. Um, oh, yeah. Because they might. Because I, I know for sure that I've seen a lot of um, Montessori things that look very, very similar to this. So, But so Froebel, he passes away in 1852. And... That's around the time the kindergarten becomes to or begins to become a global thing where people are like, oh, yes, we should start educating children this young and we will call it kindergarten. And at the same time, in when is it in 1870, so 20 years later, approximately, mm-hmm. a very famous lithographer who also happened to make board games decided to make Froebel's gifts, the blocks, into alphabet blocks. So this is the first person that that I can see, that I can find, who actually, like, married the two. And his name was Milton Bradley. Wow! Yeah, there you go. So, boom! That's cool. (laughs) I know, right? So, So I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of really interesting interconnected things between you know, all the way back to 5000 BC, ancient Greece with dice and knuckle bones. And then you get into, you know, these these beautiful wooden blocks that are made to help children manipulate the world um, and kindergarten. And then Milton Bradley, who is a lithographer, who then decides to engrave letters onto these blocks. And it's just like the the through line yeah. on this is very fascinating to me. Oh, so, so I hope cool. that it was interesting to you. <laughs> I like that. And, and it it makes sense once you say it, but like, it's not, I wouldn't have put those pieces together myself. So yeah, that's really cool. As I was doing the research, almost every, you know, two or three minutes, I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of yeah. other toys that I would want to learn more about. I'm going to have to brainstorm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll, have to, we'll have to figure out which ones we want to which ones we want to learn about next. Cool. So, yeah, this this brought me, as I was looking into Knuckle Bones, I was fondly remembering my childhood experience with pogs. 
What are pogs? Like, oh, you didn't, you must have just missed pogs. Oh, I my must. Goodness. I mean, it's that sounds familiar, but it's definitely not something I played. I don't know exactly what That's it is. That's really funny. Excellent. Well, we're going to do an episode on pogs oh, then perfect. for sure. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, man. It's going to be great. I'm going to teach you all about it. I cannot <laughs> wait. I'm I'll have so to excited. get out my slammer. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I wish you understood these references. I don't. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a little right. scary. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, socially, it was kind of scary. <laughs> um, on the middle school playground. Before we wrap up this episode, why don't we head over into our favorite little fan inspired segment? Your parents did what? <laughs> I love it. It's so fun. It's so fun. Uh, and and all of the stories we get to hear are super fun too. We after the Tooth Fairy episode were just like inundated with stories. I had a lot of people tell me stories, like friends tell me stories in my life. It was really interesting to hear about what other people had as family traditions for for the Tooth Fairy. So it's fascinating. It's very fascinating. <laughs> So yeah. So do you have do you have a good a good one to start us off with? I think I do. Yeah. This one is from our listener Kathy and she says, "Okay, so as a dental hygienist, loved this, which I was like, okay, now we're hearing something from the source, someone who yes. knows teeth." <laughs> Um, she said, boy, what great information. I certainly did not learn about the tooth fairy in college. <laughs> <laughs> I was intrigued by Rosemary Wells and found sadly she passed in 2000. So would like to share. I tell my patients who ask that the tooth fairy takes their teeth and makes them stars in the sky. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. Aww. I also tell the children that have to have a baby tooth extracted instead of losing it naturally that it's worth double when the tooth fairy visits. I tell the parents as well. And so far, they haven't gotten mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to. I, I, I responded to that um, when I saw it because when I was little think if I'm recalling correctly, it may be that my mind is remembering it worse than it was because it was so traumatic. But I think that I had to have three teeth extracted at once. Oh, God. And it was just like, I have always been super afraid of the dentist. I'm better about it now. But when I was younger, I was so afraid. And I remember wearing like headphones and listening to music and trying to just be distracted from what was happening. And the nurse who was in there with us was like, oh, these are worth double. The tooth fairy pays a lot for teeth that had to be taken out <laughs> so like I just think that's really sweet that like the hygienist or like the doctor or whoever would go that extra mile to like make you feel comfortable I know nice. dentists I think like if you get into a place where the dentists really know how to deal with patients who are afraid of them mm -hmm. <laughs> they're so wonderful they're really like yeah. they really do a good job so I've been very fortunate to have some really great dental hygienists in my time what about you? Do you have a good one to share? I have a really good one. And it is just, it came out of left field for me, let me tell you. So um, <laughs> so I have, I have a good friend, Rachel, who, who sent me a, a text message after she listened. She said, I just listened to your podcast. Guess she should never sleep in our guest room. And then she sends me a picture of a, sh like a shadow box that is hanging up in their guest room. And inside of this shadow box is framed, beautiful, like, freaking eerie as all hell but so beautiful five wisdom teeth and a baby tooth oh god the wisdom teeth belong to her and her husband and the baby tooth is hers 
<laughs> it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll share the picture. It is a riot. I was just beside myself. It was like, no way. <laughs> so, <laughs> first of all, my mouth is agape. <laughs> but second of all, that kind of goes with one of our, uh, wasn't there one of the older like traditions was like hang the tooth on a on the wall. Put it on a wall. Put it on and a we wall. were like, wait, is it a wall like Humpty Dumpty? Or are you hanging it on the wall? Well, yeah. she's literally hanging. She's literally it on hanging it. So maybe we, maybe I misinterpreted. Maybe it is like frame it, put it on the wall. <laughs> So yeah, it's just so funny. But like, Rachel's great. She has all of these wonderful, wonderful ways of like memorializing different moments in time, like taking old baby clothes and transporting them into something new and things like that. And this to me is like, is so Rachel like, oh, yes, I kept these teeth. They're in a frame and it's beautiful and it hangs on my wall. I just love it. It's just fantastic. (laughs) It makes me wish I saved my teeth. Does it though? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess I wish I was the kind of person that had those kind of ingenious ideas. There you go. Yeah. And then like put them to good use in my life without having to see somebody else having done it. Now this is making me wonder, do I want to save my child's baby teeth and do something cool with it when they're older? Yeah. I've I've thought about hmm. it quite a bit. I'm going to tell you after your next story, I'm going to tell you about the other thing that I found this week that will give you mm, possibly some nightmares. So go ahead oh. with your next one. Oh, I can't wait. All right. So this one is actually from uh, another podcast that has started following us and they're pretty cool. This is from Whitney from the podcast How She Moms. And she wrote, I have carried on my parents' tradition of forgetting to leave a dollar under the pillow. And then while quote, helping the child look for the money in the morning, slipping a dollar behind the bed and telling the child they slept so crazy that the dollar fell behind the bed. Uh, (laughs) And she said, uh, we also have to explain that sometimes the tooth fairy already has enough teeth so she doesn't take them. Tangled webs. Oh my gosh. Which I thought was interesting. But at first I thought she meant that they were literally pretending that they couldn't find it but then she wrote it's actually an accidental tradition because we truly forget to leave money under the pillow which I thought was great that's so funny if you ever do forget to leave money for your kid that's a great way to remedy the situation just (laughs) slip it behind the bed and say oh it must have fallen um so we have uh from our listener stephanie just a real quick one uh she said she used to get a half dollar coin which i thought was pretty cool yeah. uh and a note covered in glitter Aww. which that takes like the extra time yeah i do a santa letter every year but i don't i mean like i don't do anything special with it i don't get your glitter, glitter glue i guess so year. really honestly <laughs> oh my goodness after the episode last week or two weeks ago uh, before we posted it, I wanted to confirm what was going on with Rosemary Wells. And I sort of inadvertently ended up down this funny rabbit hole of tooth-related information. And <laughs> and I found that in the past, there had been this doll that had been invented, like a baby doll, that you could purchase. And it's the inside of its mouth worked in such a way that you could take your child's baby teeth and put them into the mouth of the doll. (laughs) So are you kidding me? That is horrific. Now, this was in like the 40s or 50s or whatever. Like it was a while ago. So it was probably like a doll that looked more like a haunted doll. Like, you know, it's already scary. But then I did a Google search. No. 
baby teeth doll? Diane, do a Google search for baby teeth doll and see what you see. I'm a little frightened I'm going to do it right now because I feel like real-time reaction is needed. This is like a Pinterest thing that people really do now, today. This is now. People do, ah! (laughs) (laughs) It's like a plush doll. And you stick the kid's teeth no. into huh? no. <laughs> Wait, wait. So the ones now have a name. Yeah. They're called Fuggler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that awful? <laughs> this, this post says this soulless abomination yeah. is the tooth monster doll. <laughs> yeah. It yes. It looks like a tooth monster and it's filled, its mouth is filled with your child's baby teeth. And I, I can't, like you have to Google it to see what it looks like. Everyone, like everyone has to do it because it's, it's really, I don't know what kind of a person does this. Like maybe people who are, who are a bit macabre, who are like, I love things that are just like real off and, and kind of creepy. Like I can, okay. I understand if that's your jam, but like, if you're like a vanilla mom I hope you're not making things like this because it's creepy as hell. Well, I also, I mean, not to go even further down the scary rabbit hole, but when I searched for the tooth doll, what else came up was on Etsy, Uh you can get a gold or silver human molar ring to wear on your finger. (laughs) Yeah, you can get baby teeth bronzed. Mm, I think I'll pass. Right? And you can, like, get them bronzed or, like, you can get them covered in pewter or gold or whatever and, like, displayed. Oh, don't don't... people do that with baby shoes? They do. They do it with baby shoes. They do it with – some people I've seen do it with, like, locks of hair. Like, you can do it with anything. You can bronze anything. What do I want to bronze? (laughs) Nothing! (laughs) Especially not if it was previously attached to a human body. (laughs) Yikes. Wow. And this is totally someone's jam. If you have a human tooth doll, let us know. Yes, let us know. And like, I'm sorry if I'm yucking anyone's yum. Like, I'm really sorry. But I just, I'm a person who has responses to things that are unsettling to me. And maybe it's your thing. And if it is, I'm really sorry for being judgy. Like, I'm sorry. I I want you to be happy. And if you're happy doing this thing, that's all that matters. (laughs) think we're being judgy i think we're just being honest about how we how feel. we it feel this is how, how we feel. feel it's totally cool if you feel different if you yeah, collect exactly. all your kids baby teeth and put them into a doll that's fine man if that's you if that you. brings you joy you do it <laughs> i mean whatever makes you a, a happy person i say go for it If people are interested in learning more about today's topic or any other topics, you can find us at opdwpodcast.com. If you have any suggestions for other things we should cover on the show, or if you just want to talk to us and say hi, you can find us on social media at opdwpodcast. Our music is by Theo Rosenberg. So thank you, Theo. Thanks, Theo. And I think that is going to do it for us today. And until next time, don't let your kids play with dead animals. (laughs) 